Have you fallen down the cottage industry rabbit hole yet? Well, if not, buckle up, Alice, and click on over to the description in the show notes and sign up. Then you can get ready for the most fun induction into the cult of all things yarn and fiber. This will include, but not limited to, free yarn, free ebooks, patterns, coupons, and much more. You don't want to miss out. listening to Crime Coffee and Crafts, a podcast featuring two crafty besties who love true crime and a good cup of joe. Hey amateur sleuths, I'm Kristen and I'm Heidi. Welcome back. Here we are for part trois. Trois. Three. Oh. Yes, scorecard. <laughs> the scorecard killer. Oh yeah, so um, doozy. So I went slightly off, I guess it's not, I don't know, for the underrepresented missing person for this uh-huh. episode, I actually chose to use one of the identified unidentified persons from this case. Oh, that was a good idea. Because back then, if they found... It's so difficult back then if they found someone who they believed was homosexual who had been murdered they didn't look as hard into it as they would now that's just fact um different times different times not that it's okay but times were different um so the namus case we're gonna look at before we get started is someone who is believed to be a victim of randy craft um i do have a like picture because when they found him his face was recognizable okay so they actually have like a drawing ish of his face looking alive so don't worry i'm not gonna like share a picture of yikes gruesome um a white male adult uh Estimated age range, 17 to 25 years old. Estimated year of death, 1973. Oh, Um, one of his early victims. Yeah, estimated between 5'2 and 5'10. Weight. The range. Well, wait till you hear how they found him. 135 to 160 pounds. His body was found on April 22nd, 1973 in Wilmington, California. Um, On April 22nd, body parts were discovered in multiple green plastic bags along the Terminal Island Freeway. Now, hearing that information, I don't know for sure that this is a victim of Randy Kraft. It sounds more like it might be a victim of Patrick Kearney. Okay. The other killer. Right. But. One or both hands not recovered 
but he had a recognizable face, uh, brown wavy curls that were about five inches long, thin, fine mustache and brown eyes with a possible small mole on the right side of his neck below his right ear. Hmm. And like I said, I'm going to put the link in the description. Um, and actually maybe that's what I'll just do. I'll just put the link in the description. You can click on it and you'll see the, the rendered yeah, image of his face. Idea. Yeah. If you recognize this person, even if it's like a slight resemblance of somebody that went missing around that time, who you maybe were related to call it in. What's the worst that could happen? It's not them, but right, what but if it is? You can rule them out. Exactly. Okay. So we left off last week with the authorities in Oregon coming to the conclusion that their killer was not local to them. Right. <laughs> they came to this conclusion because of the big periods of time between the groupings of kills, because he always killed more than one person when during he was a on short a trip. Yeah. So it would be yeah. like he's there for a month and a couple people are winding up dead and then nothing for months. Right. So, yeah. That coupled with the victims all having alcohol and pharmaceuticals in their systems and the fact that they were all dumped in kind of similar areas next to roads. They figured their killer was visiting on work-related trips. Nailed it. Yeah. With this information, the investigators in Oregon notified law enforcement in other states, telling them of the MO they'd been seeing and asked for a response from any law enforcement with a similar MO. Right. They didn't have to wait long because mm. several different counties in Southern California reached out with identical cases, right. as you know. Yes. Uh, they had themselves an interstate murderer. Mm-hmm. And... Randy Kraft was just a little bit closer to being caught. A little bit. We've got a little ways to go. Right. It's always hard to build a case. So sometimes. So oh, close. We're so close. <laughs> On January 26, 1983, a 21-year-old man named Eric Church, not to be confused with the country singer. Right. He's still alive and well. And uh, yeah was seen hitchhiking from the OC. Oh boy, to Orange County. Yeah, um, to Sacramento. <laughs> Eric was kidnapped and murdered by Randy the next day. Yeesh. Oh, he didn't get very far in his trip, did he? No. His body was found dumped along I-605 freeway. Uh, autopsy revealed he had ingested Randy's go-to cocktail of Valium and alcohol. And he had been raped. His wrists showed he had fought against his bindings before he was killed. Mm. His COD was a combo of several blunt force blows to the side of his head and ligature strangulation. Yeesh. Mm. February 12th, 1983, 20-year-old Roger Duvall and 18-year-old Jeffrey Nelson were just going out to grab food. It was just after midnight when they left their friend's house to grab some grub. Uh, this was the last time they were seen alive. 
Jeffrey's body was found near California 22 freeway along an off ramp just hours after they were last seen. No, I know he was nude. He had been castrated and strangled to death before being thrown from a moving vehicle. Roger's body was found the next day near Mount Baldy in San Bernardino County. Fuck. He was bound. He had been raped and strangled with a cord before he was dumped down the side of a mountain. Oh, my. Both of them had ingested alcohol and propranolol. Propranolol? Propranolol. <laughs> propranolol? For uh, anxiety, isn't it? I don't know. But I'm pretty it's sure. It's a funny medication name. Propranolol. I'm pretty sure it's an anxiety medication. Um, both of them had the same foods in their stomachs. Uh, oh, grape. so they ate the same. They ate meal. Uh, grapes and potato skins. Interesting. What? I know. I was like, that's an interesting meal. <laughs> Maybe that was just part of it. Yeah, because potato skins and grapes both are take longer to digest because of their skins but they had eaten not long before that's so Jeez. weird do you hear ben sneezing <laughs> should I text him and be like shut up with your sneezes <laughs> Jeez. Oh. it's fine uh may 14th. yeah that's a weird meal sorry it's a little weird y'all uh may 14th 1983 at around 1 a.m two chp officers witnessed an erratic driver on the i-5 freeway in mission viejo okay it was a toyota celica they watched the car as it made an illegal lane change they were probably just like waiting for it to do something stupid well and anyone with law enforcement experience knows oh yeah you you watch a vehicle for a couple minutes before absolutely and they were probably calling it in. Yeah, probably. You call in before you stop. So. Yeah. So assuming the driver was DUI, they turned on their lights and pulled the car over. Mm-hmm. Randy Kraft was the driver of this car. In case you didn't guess that. Right. Right. So Randy pulled the car over, got out. And as he got out, he dumped the remaining beer out of his bottle onto the ground. Okay. <laughs> right in front of an officer. He's a fucking idiot. But I mean, we know he's a fucking idiot, and thank goodness he got pulled over. Yeah. Officer Michael Sterling made contact with Randy Kraft at the front of his patrol car, got Randy's name, immediately noticed that his jeans were not buttoned. Officer Sterling ran a field sobriety test on Randy. Which get his pants together, <laughs> <laughs> or did he just let him do it? With his oh pants no, man! Undone? Which you know, of course, Randy failed the sobriety test. I mean, if yeah. he was driving that poorly, yeah, yeah. So the officer placed Randy Kraft under arrest for DUI. Mm-hmm. These officers had no fucking clue they had just apprehended the serial killer that they'd been hunting for fucking years, over a no. decade. Over a fucking decade. Yeah. (laughs) Officer Sterling's partner, Sergeant Michael Howard, walked up to the Celica and found Randy Kraft's last victim in the passenger seat of the car. 
He was slumped down, eyes closed, and he was partially covered by a jacket. The floor of the car was covered in beer bottles and there was an open prescription bottle of now spilled lorazepam tablets. Mm -hmm. Sergeant Howard tried to wake this young man up, but he got no response. So he shook the man's arm and realized he was actually cool to the touch. And dead. So he checked for a pulse and there was none. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As he realizes that this man is dead, he's looking closer because it's alarming. And thankfully he's a trained officer. He looks closer. He sees ligature marks on his neck. Right. Sergeant Howard removed the jacket that had been covering the dead man's lap. He observed Mm. the victim's jeans had been unbuttoned, exposing his genitals. His hands were tied with a shoelace and his wrists had welts on them. Yeah. This man was identified as 25-year-old Marine Terry Lee Gambrell. He had been strangled to death. So, of course, Randy was held and charged with DUI, thankfully. They had something to hold him on while they began investigation. Yeah, a murder is no bond at first. Also, well, I mean, I don't know what it was back then. Back then, then, we have no Usually, it's no bond. um, And so, yeah. yeah. But they got to get their information before they can really do anything. Yeah. So they're investigating his car. <clears throat> in the back seat, detectives found a belt that matched the bruises on Terry's neck. They also found more alcohol and several different prescriptions, including tranquilizers and some stimulants. Mm. Um, there was heavy staining on the passenger seat and floor that, according to forensic, was confirmed to be human blood. Probably multiple. But remember... Terry had no wounds that were open. Right. Nothing was bleeding. Right. So it wasn't, that's what I'm yeah. saying. It was Yikes. a murder victim. Yeah, it was but... a lot. Hidden beneath the carpet of the floorboard, they found an envelope with pornographic photos of young men and boys. A lot of them seemed to be either asleep or dead. Mm-hmm. In the trunk, they found a binder And inside the binder, there was a list, handwritten with 61 coded notes on it. (sighs) Each of these entries is believed to be in reference to each of Randy Kraft's victims. Some are pairs of victims, as we've talked about throughout the case. Right. Uh, Randy claimed these were cryptic names he had used for party guests to, like, hide the fact that he was throwing a surprise party for someone, which is complete bullshit. I call BS. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And as we found throughout these episodes, a lot of the entries were not obvious names of people. Right. They were were, just codes of places or... But, like, enough that you could identify, which is really interesting. Yeah. Um, Some were fairly obvious. Others were really, really fucking obvious. For instance, one entry was Vince M, which refers to Vincent Mestas. Like, yeah, <laughs> like that's clear. Others referenced what Randy Kraft did to the victim or where he picked them up or where he dumped their body. 
Right. And there's one entry that got me thinking, and of course, I'd love to dig into this one because it hasn't been linked to any double murder yet. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to read it to you, and I'm going to see what you think. Okay. Knowing how he coded things. Okay. Quote, number two, in number one, so two in one, uh-huh. MV2PL. Anybody? Bueller. M V <laughs> Bueller. Bueller. M V um, L. Do you want to know what I think? Yes. I think that there is a double homicide that they were picked up in Mission Viejo and dropped in Point Loma. Oh, yes. Those are the only two places that I immediately came up with. Obviously, there's probably more MVs and PLs, but those do fall within his range. Right. And I think we can dig into this one a little bit. Mm-hmm. So... If you have any ideas, please research it and let us know what you think. Crime Coffee and Crafts at gmail.com. M V. Yeah, you're going to write this down, aren't you? Two P L. Yeah. And it's definitely, it says two in one M V to P L. Two. In so it's definitely like a double homicide, two for one. Right. <clears throat> So investigators have yet to connect two of Randy Kraft's known victims to his scorecard, and they do think that he didn't even enter them on there yet. So there could be either 65 or 67 possible victims. Right, okay. Um, Oh, that's a lot. Yeah. A lot of poor, poor, unfortunate souls. Yeah. And as I've talked about a little bit before, when they searched Randy's home, they found a shit ton of evidence. Right. A lot of his um, uh, keepsakes. Yep. They found victims' clothing, personal belongings from victims spanning an entire decade. Randy's couch was identified as the couch in photos that were obtained from his car. The rug in his house was sampled and matched fibers found on Scott Hughes' body. (sighs) Never underestimate the fucking rug. Was it green? Never underestimate forensics. Especially if it's a green shag carpet. Oh my God, the amount of cases with the green carpet. (laughs) Fuck. Investigators found a roll of film that had more photos of his victims. Eric Church and Roger Roger Duvall were pictured sitting in Randy's car. And in one picture of Roger, you can actually see the ligature marks on his fucking neck. Mm. Yeah. So Randy Kraft was formally charged with the murder of his last victim, Terry Gambrell, Gambrell, on May 16th, 1983. Investigators definitely had their work cut out for them. They interviewed several hundred witnesses from May to September. Like a lot. Like, yeah, that's a big (laughs) deal. Yeah. And they now had more than 250 pieces of physical evidence linking Randy Kraft to 15 more homicide victims spanning from December 1972 to February 1983. Wow. All of which he also got formally charged for on September 8th, 1983. 
They also added two counts of sodomy and one count of emasculation to the list, which is just castration. Right. Um, <clears throat> but just, just one count? Just, just castration. Good God, Heidi. Fucking castration. Well, Jesus yeah. Um, but um, yeah. But only one count? <laughs> I think it was just like a so law. So that they had a... I think it was like, more... you know, when you're doing something while you're doing something else, when it comes yeah. to the laws all it takes so well and a lot of times the smaller charges are dropped sometimes the bigger yeah. charges are dropped and i think they were the just smaller like charges adding but. things on or maybe yeah, a lot of times you do want to stack maybe they only had proof of one maybe the others were not castrated that they for sure had him linked right. to <clears throat> The 16 victims that Randy was formally charged for murdering are the following. Edward Moore, Kevin Bailey, Ronnie Wybe, Wybe, Wiebe. I, I, it's a very odd spelling to me. Okay. Um, sorry if I said it wrong. Keith Crotwell, Mark Hall, Scott Hughes, Roland Young, Richard Keith, Keith Klingbale, Michael Innerbyton, Donald Crissel, Robert Loggins, Eric Church, Roger Duvall, Jeffrey Nelson, and Terry Lee Gambrell. It would be five whole years before Randy Kraft's trial even began. Judge hmm. Donald A. McCartan presided over this trial starting September 26, 1988. And this trial sounds like it was fucking insane, dude. There were over 1,000 pieces of evidence, including hairs and fibers, bloodstains, fingerprints from a murder scene, all of and the negatives all and of photos. Those, yeah, all of those have to be entered into evidence Every during one. trial. Yeah, a belt, a knife from his car, prescriptions, all of his travel records relating to work, and of course, all of the personal items that he had saved that were later found in his home, there were almost 160 witnesses for the prosecution. Wow. Can you imagine being a fucking juror? Like your brain would explode from yeah, all of that this. That would be a tough one. I can't even imagine sitting in there. Ew. Ew, with him, you mm. motherfucker. The defense was like super douchey. I bet. I mean, mm -hmm. who would take that case? <laughs> exactly. Uh, they, someone needing some cash. Right? <laughs> or a public defender. Who knows? Mm. They used alibis and suggested other people as suspects. Like, <laughs> if you can't save yourself blame someone else blame someone else yeah. <laughs> come on man they were extremely dismissive of the actual evidence and actually stated it was all circumstantial they built up randy as a pillar of the community how there's he no was, possible way he was a great guy nobody oh. could, nobody that knew him could believe that he had done anything that's the case with John Wayne Gacy. That's the case with I mean, yeah. fucking Ted Bundy. A I mean, ton of them. 
everybody thought, oh, he was such a good, such a good person. Good person. He helped me with my groceries. These people live alternate lives. Yeah. Completely. They are very good on the outside to most people that they run into on a daily basis, but monsters (laughs) behind closed doors. Yeah. And then they pointed out that even the police had thought it was the work of not just one, but two other serial killers. They said that there was no concrete evidence that Randy Kraft was the killer of anyone. Excuse me. He was found with a fucking dead body in his goddamn car with photos with, oh my God, all this stuff that belonged to these dead boys and men in his house. Yeah. That is fucking concrete. (laughs) Come on. Anyway. Um. 13 months of this back and forth yeah yeah april 29th 1989 they started the three days of closing arguments the jury took 11 days to reach their verdict on may 12th of 1989 i think they just had to like really go through everything because there were two other serial killers killers yeah i had to like really look at everything uh, May 12th, 1989, Randy Kraft was found guilty as fuck on all of the charges except for one sodomy charge. Oh, they, they okay. only like did one and one. Oh, okay. 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 Like all just right. fucking throw both of them in there. Who cares? This guy's a piece of trash. During the penalty phase of the trial, the prosecution introduced the murders from Oregon and Michigan that were believed to be connected to Randy Kraft. So like, wow. Yeah. The defense claimed these were highly speculative (laughs) accusations. I I, highly speculative. Okay. Had the exact same MO. Sure, buddy. Sure. Not him at all. No. Okay. So they actually came in with their own evidence. Okay. Oh, they introduced a PET scan of Randy Kraft's brain, okay, which showed that he had damage to his frontal lobe, and they claimed he had no control over his emotions and impulses. Um, I mean, was there was there an accident when he was younger? Probably. To that, the press still not an excuse. The prosecution responded with this. This is a quote. There is nothing wrong with Mr. Kraft's mind other than that he likes killing for sexual satisfaction. Add to this that the fact that his loved ones found it difficult to believe he could have done these things showed, quote, what a good salesman he is. Right. And that's basically what it is. He would have been a great used car salesman. Yeah, because he's going to sell the shit out of some horrible piece of shit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But really, it's... Yeah. (laughs) So, Randy Kraft was formally sentenced to death on November 29th, 1989. And I actually have some words from the judge. I always like to hear the judge words. To have something like this take place in our society... I think I've sent eight or nine individuals to their death in my courtroom before. 
I can take all those aggravating circumstances in those other cases and they don't match Mr. Kraft's record. I just can't comment. If anyone ever deserved the death penalty, he's got it coming. Judge Donald A. McCartan, I agree wholeheartedly. It's yeah, he's, and he's, he's still sitting on death row. Like, come on. <clears throat> Is he? Oh, you'll get to it. Yeah. This sentence was upheld in August of 2000. Randy Kraft still claims he is innocent to this day and is still locked up on death row at San Quentin. Nice. Our favorite. I used to fucking drive by San Quentin like every day going to visit my <laughs> sister. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, hey, <laughs> please don't break out of there. It's so creepy. Since his incarceration, there has been a lot of evidence that has come into question. <clears throat> but okay. it's, not, it's not what you would think. Um, this evidence in question leads a lot of people, including the prosecution, to believe that Randy Kraft didn't act alone on, well, yeah. some, on some of these yeah. murders. Yeah. And it's not just circumstantial evidence. There's also DNA. Physical. Yeah. <clears throat> First off, Randy Kraft would absolutely have difficulty moving a 200 plus pound dead body especially as I have mentioned before, from a moving vehicle without drawing attention, swerving, crashing, etc. Right. <clears throat> Some evidence found at crime scenes indicated that the car would have been traveling at over 50 miles per hour. Mm -hmm. You can't. You just can't. Can't do, do it. No, <clears throat> it's physically impossible. Yeah. Remember in part one where I said it looked like two people had carried John Lara's body yeah. down to the beach into the surf? Right. So there were actually two sets of footprints in the sand. Not just drag marks. There were two right. footprints walking down to the sand. Down to yeah. the beach. Right. <clears throat> his victim, Eric Church, had DNA on his body in the form of semen. That didn't match Randy Kraft's blood type. They okay. did, however, have photos of Eric in Randy's car, and Eric's Norelco razor was found in Randy, Randy Kraft's home. Mm. So he definitely is involved and responsible, but somebody else was also involved and responsible. Now, the photos that were found had to be processed somewhere. Okay, remember back yeah. then, you had to fucking drop you that shit off. a processing center mm -hmm. and they printed out your photos mm -hmm. from negatives. It was either that or Randy had to have access to a dark room but he did not have access to a dark room, nor did he know how to process film. And nobody ever reported these very obviously fucked up photos to the authorities. Hmm. So, yeah. <clears throat> Jeff Graves, Randy's boyfriend from way back when, was questioned in 1975 about an abduction. He verified part of Randy's statement <clears throat> back then. Mm -hmm. But he said something super weird when he was questioned after Randy was arrested in 1983 for murder. Mm -hmm. He said, quote, I'm really not going to pay for it, you know? Hmm. Jeff Graves died in 1987 from AIDS before police could even question him further. Wow. And they were, they were planning to question him further. I wonder if he has any... Thing with DNA on it. I know, right? 
Now, apparently a journalist named Dennis McDougall authored a book about Randy Kraft in 1991 called Angel of Darkness, for which Randy actually attempted to sue him over in 93 because it, (laughs) sorry, this is funny, smeared his good name. (laughs) Really, bro? So the courts actually, the courts dismissed it. They were like, you're full of shit. Um, The same author also published an article in 2000 where he recounted an interview with a criminal named Bob Jackson, who stated that he had murdered two hitchhikers with Randy Kraft. One in 1975 in Wyoming and the other in 1976 in Colorado. Neither of these can be corroborated. Bob Jackson also stated that Randy only put the more memorable kills on his scorecard and that he thinks the total number of murders is closer to 100. I think so, too. After detectives interviewed Bob Jackson, (laughs) they actually talked him into going to a mental institution. So they... So then his testimony can't be used because... They think he's, he's deemed mental. Yeah. Which maybe he is. I mean, know. maybe, but. <clears throat> okay. So Jeff, number two, the other Jeff, mm-hmm. he eventually told the authorities that him and Randy used to pick up hitchhikers and attempt to have threesomes with them back at their apartment. He also told them that Randy had never been violent with him, nor had he displayed violence in front of him. I don't fucking believe him. I actually might believe him because he took out his frustrations and angers on his victims, not necessarily because he had to play a part. Well, he might not have been violent toward him, but I think that Jeff was involved and I think that he did see him be violent. Right. But I don't think he was violent. No, he probably, I doubt he was. Yeah. A lot of the victims listed on the scorecard have been identified, but there are still some we don't have names for, like the one I included. In 1988, investigators had linked 43 of the 61 entries on the list to unidentified victims who had been murdered during the 12 years Randy Kraft was actively killing. Right. There is one entry on the scorecard that reads Harry Carey. It is believed that this refers to a 30-year-old man named David Michael Sant, who was raped and then stabbed to death near a vacant home in Long Beach. His body was found in the kneeling position with his arms extended out in front of him, and his stab wounds were all to his stomach, all of which is similar to the Japanese suicide ritual harakiri. Right. So, Yeah. At this point in time, there are still 18 entries on his scorecard that haven't been confirmed linked yet. Right. Not that I could find. Um, And I've included a link to a website with the scorecard on it. So everybody go ahead, click that link, um, check it out. And uh, there's a lot on Reddit. People trying to, uh, you know, figure out his cryptic notes. Right. So, um, yeah. And uh, to end off, I just want to tell everybody to beware of seemingly normal, successful people around you. 
because sometimes they are the incognito monsters. Yep, on the inside. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's all I've got. That's it. <clears throat> Randy Craft is still Ooh. locked up and uh, <clears throat> still maintains his innocence, but I think we all know the truth here. I mean, I mean come he was on. convicted. You might as well just give it up. Yeah. Um, spill, spill your guts at this point. Do I a tell all. All of my sources are linked in the description. If you want to go look at them, have at it. Cool, cool. Or let's, uh, yeah, let's go celebrate the last hours of our weekend. I actually have tomorrow off, thanks. <gasps> oh, yeah, tomorrow's a holiday for everybody. It as, is. As we record. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, as we record. Yeah. So. Um, I had to work a horrific training day yesterday so that was it's nice to still have two days off because i need to yeah my body hurts yeah you need to recover recover. so we are gonna celebrate my birthday and hannah's birthday this evening our little family and then she's getting a big girl sleepover next weekend whoa i know we're moving up whoa we're growing up all right well sounds fun wish me luck sounds stressful as fuck to me (laughs) yeah Yeah. my my mom and dad will be here to help thank goodness they'll be there because yeah all right well yeah (laughs) on that note good luck (laughs) i hope you have a fabulous week i'm gonna go pick up a brooding box because i'm getting i know i'm I'm excited for you so excited all right Till next time. Ta-ta. For now. I have to do it super cheesy. It's okay. For now. Thanks for listening to Crime, Coffee, and Crafts. If you love our podcast, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. This helps us more than you know. If you really love us and want to support us, go to our website at www.crimecoffeeandcrafts.com. From there, you can join our Patreon, shop our merch, and find us on social media.